The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. So there's no stopping, there's no anything. No. Everyone's just going to be perfect this far away from the mic. Oh my ben, God, ben, the ben, pressure. Trumpet distance from the mic. The pressure. Tēnā koutou katoa, welcome to Gone By Lunchtime. Here we are very early on a Wednesday morning um, and we're here to talk debate. Uh, last night saw an important debate in the lead up to election 2020, just shy of four weeks out. What did you make of it, Annabelle? Um, oh, it was an amazing debate. So, of course, the three candidates uh, for Waiariki um, were in studio at TV3, Hannah Tamaki, uh, leader of Vision New Zealand, Rawiri Waititi, um, the candidate for the Māori Party in Waiariki, and of course, um, sitting MP Tamati Coffee. It was raucous, robust, mm. um, really entertaining, interesting watch, and of course, Mahi was absolutely on fire. And Annie Forbes is doing a whole series of uh, debates, seven indeed, for the Māori seats. I saw the first one, which was Tamaki Makoto, and was really impressed by the calibre of the debate and the candidates. We had, um, there was John Tommy Hedy, who I thought did really well, sort of, sort of spiralled mm. a bit towards the end, but, but, but basically was re- much more impressive than I saw in the mayoral debates, I've got to say. Yeah. Um, and Madame Davidson, well, you know, we know she's got um, a, a lot to offer and she was strong. Um, and then Penny Henare was really good as well, I thought. You know. Penny Henare was good, interestingly quite de- deferential to John. Madame mm. Davidson came in really hard on the pink recession issue and mana wahine and how, um, you know, women are being um, overly impacted by COVID and yet they hold the answers to solving issues in their community. Like you say, um, JT put in a really solid performance, was very popular online, was a little bit unravelled at the end when Mahi challenged him over foreshore and seabed. But the interesting pattern that I'm seeing in the debates is the way that the Māori Party, when they're challenged about their track record during the last government, they kind of disavow themselves and say this is a whole new party Mm. and then turn around and say, you know, are we going to judge Labour on their track record for sure and seabed, housing crisis, um, you know, 80s, neoliberalism, the whole thing. And it's it's quite an effective strategy and it it makes for really interesting debates. Tonight, Ikaroa Rafiti, make sure you tune in, 8 o'clock online. What about Te Taiho That's the one I'm most excited about. Te Taiho will be um, 
really interesting. When are we seeing with, that? With Debbie Ngariwapaka. So that is not next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after. Oh, okay, right. You're saving that, uh, saving that up a bit. Saving it for last. So, so eight days from now as we speak. Is that mm-hmm. right? Or seven days from now as we speak. Who knows what is time? The that is no, I should that, say this has gone by lunchtime, which is a days. podcast politics, which is the Wednesday um, perhaps might have been mentioned a bit earlier if 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 I'd recalled. And that's Annabelle Lee Matha, Kia ora. Kia ora. And Ben Thomas is over here too. Kia ora, Hello, ben. good morning. Nice to see you. Um very quickly, the the Tietahara remains the seat where of all of the electorates in the country where we're most likely to see a small party make their way in. I think there's, yes, I'd agree with that. There's potential for flip. There's certainly of the seven Māori electorates, it's the one where the... the, um, the result will be pretty tight, I imagine, either way. And, what what um, do we think of Rawiri's chances in Waiariki? Rawiri is an excellent candidate, and he stood he for, for Labour in 2014, yeah. and he did really well, really, really well. So he's a strong candidate, um, no doubt about it. He's also JT's father-in-law, so he gets to draw from you know his experience in Matauranga and stuff. Um, he'll put in a good challenge. I'm not sure if he'll be able to flip it off Tamati. I dare say that Deb is in a slightly stronger position just because Adrian Rudafi doesn't enjoy the same profile as as um, Tamati does. But do we do we think that Tamati's profile is good in general? <laughs> <laughs> he looks, well, he looks t- amazing standing and there was a Fakatani stand up and it was Kitty Allen and Tamasi um, standing behind the Prime Minister mm. Cinderella. they look incredibly cool to if have that's been, what you mean uh, to, to unseat the Ururua Flavel mm. in Waiariki is no mean feat so obviously he's well liked but having said that it's always a lot harder when you're the incumbent you know, then you get judged on your track record in his case over the last three years. And let's be honest, it's not particularly um, glowing. Um, so, you know, it's when you're the challenger, you don't, it's all, um, you know, care and no responsibilities. So it, it might be a bit tougher this time, but I certainly don't think he has a terrible um, profile. My, yeah, my sense is that he was sort of driven to that victory in the last um, term. I think Mika Faitidi, uh, who was in Nikaroa Rafati, was driving a really um, effective campaign against Tūruroa's Tūtura Whenua Māori land mm, reforms. Very unpopular. Yeah, and I think that uh, Tamati Kofi, he kind of piggybacked on the back of that a little, you know, even to the extent of having Mika Faitidi actually turning up to a number of his meetings and debates mm. and sort of basically taking the load of talking. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I think that, 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 that's a seat that I'll be watching with a yeah, lot of Yeah, and I, I think, to be fair too, I mean, it was a number of things. Māori wahoha with the Māori Party over their relationship with, with the National Party. Rotorua had a particularly bad homeless problem and still does. Um, so I think it was a number of factors. Like you say, that Te Ture Whenua Māori bill was incredibly unpopular, and particularly in Wairiki, where there's a high level of Māori land ownership. So, And, of course, Mecca and all of those things. Tamati, who had an existing profile. So I think it was a, you know, a number of, of factors. Now, I want to say uh, a big hello and thank you to Tina Tiller, who is uh, making all of this work um, technologically and spiritually very much. 
<clears throat> I also want to acknowledge Flick, who support the spin-off politics section and are dear friends of ours. And I also want to thank members who um, whose contributions to the spin-off allow us to do things like what we're doing now, which is we're unable to have an audience with us for this podcast, as mm, we normally do, under 2.5 restrictions. So instead... Uh, I am currently walking around the studio. I'll paint a picture for you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm walking around the studio with a clipboard. Uh, ben Thomas and Annabelle Lee Mather are standing at podiums. Oh, uh, no. sort of, uh, I'm beaming menacingly uh, out at the cameras. Yep. Um, meanwhile, uh, Annabelle Lee Mather is looking very statesperson-like. Mm, standing on a highly polished floor. Yes, very polished like floor. Like obsidian. Um, and... Uh, the we're, we're, what we're doing, of course, is an homage to the leader debate, the first leader debate, which was held last night at TVNZ. I went along, and it was a slightly surreal business because there were the leaders only had two people allowed with them in the studio, and then there was John who kind of snuck on through the wings, John Campbell, and um, so it was kind of unusual. And 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 the media normally you get you get to sort of sit in the smallish audience, but, you know, the audience feeds some of that energy. You have the adrenaline really going and, you know, you can, you feel like it's one of those things where you, they say you can, you know, you could cut the air with a knife or whatever you want to choose. Last night, it kind of felt a bit more flat to me somehow. I guess it's my kind of take on it, Ben, was that we're all just a bit exhausted, (laughs) you know? What did you make of it? Well, Saturday, of course, marked the day when this should have all been over. Mm. Um, That was when the election was originally scheduled for. Yeah, I I think that's right. People have been tired on the campaign trail. Uh, Every MP I've bumped into has been absolutely exhausted. They didn't, you know, an election year, you kind of, you plan to peak the same way that an athlete does or a boxer in camp or whatever. Mm. And once you realise that there's another four weeks, mm. you know, something that may have been doable. And you've run you out know. of human growth hormone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, and and also your the, whole... The, 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 the blood or stem cells of millennials. <laughs> did, did you think and you're you, running without your steroids in empty stadiums, you know. Every, every time Judith Collins talked about stem last night, it sounded like as if she was about to say mm. stem cells. Right. <laughs> they really, yeah, she's very very much pushing the technology thing. But it was a it was an interesting business and, and there were one word for you, John. There computers. were computers. There was a lot of um <laughs> computers. <laughs> computers. I wanna show you something. This is a smartphone. The um, the yeah, okay, boomer. Goggle it. Let's talk about women in STEM. It was a bit like there was a, there was a border, there was a border policy announced yesterday by Jerry Brownlee, most of which seemed to be we're going to get an app. <laughs> Goggle it. Um, the. The, but it's 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 really it's a really tricky thing to negotiate a debate in these strange times. And Annabelle, you and I were speaking just before while well, we were waiting for Ben to show up. In fact, I think it was, wasn't it? We were talking about how it's kind of difficult to know how you slice and dice the subjects in debates, and that maybe what we might have had is one debate where you go, look, this is all COVID. This is all. COVID and the economic recovery post COVID. Let's just get into it mm. um, because. Uh, I feel like it's tricky. Like, it, I, I mean, I, I, I should probably, I probably should be ashamed of myself for saying this, but the COVID bits at the t- at the start, I felt a bit like, 
I've heard so much about this already, mm. you know. Yeah. But of course, what are you going to do if you're producing that debate? You're gonna, not going to go. Well, we're not going to do COVID because mm. everyone's bored by COVID. Obviously, it's the most critical thing. Mm. So, so perhaps you might have organised the debates where one of the two that TVNZ had is like full on COVID and e- economy. Like you got people in little kind of virus suits running around doing PPE, you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. And mm. then the other one, sort of some of the other more kind of typical issues. Yeah, it's tough because an hour sounds like a lot, but it it goes by so quickly. And when Mm. you break it down segment by segment, there's literally only six or seven minutes in it. So they they end up getting about, you know, three and a half to four minutes in in each part with VTs and intros and all that sort of stuff. I have seen some criticism online that, you know, tangata whenua Māori weren't mentioned at all um, during the debate. Um, Mm. A a lack of content um, or detail around um, the economy and, you know, I sympathise because it's it's really difficult to try and squeeze every kaupapa mm. um, in. And so, yeah, I, I do, um, as we were talking about, Toby, you know, maybe if there's a, a debate for, you know, health, a debate for economics, a debate for COVID. Um, and it's one of the reasons some of those ministerial debates can sometimes be the, the most fruitful. Like, for example, when you get... Um, uh, Winston Peters going down to his boot. Um, oh, that, that wasn't a debate. That was a, that was a, that was an interview, wasn't it? Uh, what did you? Where you mate been though? There was some sort of suggestion in the lead up that Judith Collins, and we'll get to the poll in a second, that Judith Collins is going to have to kind of pull some crazy, fuming, fiery, uh, high wire rabbit out of a hat, um, and you know take lots of risks. I wouldn't say she took lots of risks, but she did. She was the more energetic of the two people uh, on the stage last night, yeah? She warmed up. Uh, She started with that sort of fixed, strained smile that she's been wearing since she became leader. Yeah. Um, And, you know, was was very much on this kind of amicable sort of tip. Uh, and, And as the debate wore on... You know, she started making sort of asides and started started niggling at Ardern, and really actually seemed to get under her skin quite a bit. I thought. Do you um, think? Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm not sure um, that. I I didn't think that the. You know, you've got to remember a lot of this is expectation management as well. Mm. Um, the Collins camp would want you to think that Collins was really up against it coming into this debate, Mm. that she was doomed, that she had no chance, Mm. because then that lowers and lowers the threshold for what you need to do to be seen to have won it. Mm. You know, I mean, the best example of that, obviously, is Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton, Mm. where, you know, he barely made sense in their first debate, and so people called that a win. Because they were ready for Do you think that Judith Collins should have walked around behind Jacinda Ardern and sort of cast a <laughs> shadow across her and looked like a... No, no, but what I mean is that, you know, by, by holding her own, by, by appearing to be an equal of the Prime Minister, and I, I think probably getting the better of the exchanges, although pretty marginally... Um, you know that that's that can only be good for her because you know again once you look at the polls, mm. you know there's no comparison. Mm. I don't feel like it's going to move the dial in, 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 in any substantial way. You think, Annabelle? Well, I think um, you know people say that um, being the leader of the opposition is the hardest job in politics. It's upsetting. This is and upsetting. Think, this is real stuff. This the, is your show. It's great that you're showing. So I just want to say. Thank you for bringing the emotion. 
Oh, <laughs> I just feel it deep in my heart. Yeah. Um, but I think debates are uh, one of the examples of where it's actually not great to be the incumbent. It's and I think uh, Jacinda <coughs> will be realizing that it's really hard to sound fresh and enthusiastic and like this new movement when you're actually the incumbent and you're being measured against your performance and it is one of the few times that the leaders of the opposition do have you know an advantage yeah. over over the and incumbent and that's the key right is that you know during 2017 her line was you know you've got a tunnel we've got a vision Right now, exactly. Kiwi, Kiwi Build remains a vision. <laughs> Ending uh, child poverty remains a vision, and so it's much harder as the incumbent. And mm. yet, to, and yet, she goes into this election with a you know a sky high support rate, the overall support mm. in New Zealand for the response to the COVID crisis is is in the seventies, and so you know I don't I think kind of it'll feel like turn the dial, a, Toby. But I think what it does is it makes her most maybe her her most ardent supporters feel a little uninspired. Yep, yep. I mean, that's right. It, well, there was there were no right kind of rallying cries mm. or kind of big vision statements. Um, there's a and that's been true, perhaps with the exception a bit of the crowd you get for the campaign launch and the enthusiasm there. You know, they, that's the way they're playing it. They're like, don't rock the boat. Let's just yeah. keep 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 getting there. And um, you know, by but as you said, Ben, it was meant to be. We were meant to have had the election on Saturday. That was why it was kind of a it was kind of a big call to push it out by four weeks. But this they, week they we were all supposed to be sucking up to possible. to Winston Peters, weren't we? This yeah. is like the time every <laughs> three years ring. where we all like yeah. kowtow. Yeah, stand around outside the the lifts in the beehive, the, the the gallery. Love that sort of thing. However, on the back of the poll that preceded, and the kind of we now have this this big kind of sugar hit. Before the debate itself, we had the poll at 6pm. It was the first poll in what seemed like several decades. Um, the the first kind of TV poll, because we're down to, for the public, the, 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 the polls that people take most seriously, that are public, are the Colmar Brunton for TVNZ and the Red Research for News Hub. And this poll came out and it, it was 48% for Labour, 31% for National, 7% for ACT, who, as I understand it, that's, I mean, that, I mean, that's not rogue. I think there are other polls. I hear there are other polls, and particularly internal ones, that might have them a little bit higher even than that. I, I've heard they've gotten up to nine before. So, so. so it's, kind of, it's kind of astonishing that, and perhaps we'll talk about that in a second. But it does, it still would, on those numbers give Labour enough to govern alone. And um, obviously it's a huge relief too for the Green Party. Who I, I think Labour will be will be pretty happy with that to have got through that second lockdown and, mm. and the, you know, mishaps along the way. Mm. Still, you know, on the face of it, being able to govern alone. It's fascinating to me that, you know, in the era of climate change, apparently more New Zealanders care about, you know, preserving their rights to own... Um, semi-automatic weapons than they do the environment. And that's kind of interesting because so many of those people that have those sorts of weapons are kind of the hunter-fisher types mm. who actually really care about the environment as well. So I think um, while the Greens will be like counting their lucky crystals that, that, that they're on 6%, um, it's kind of a fascinating... 
um, insight into some of the attitudes in New Zealand at the moment. Yeah. And I, I do yeah. wonder about, you know, the influence of the US and social media and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I feel that's growth now, once they're getting up to 7%, possibly 8%, you know, that's really disaffected national voters. That's people who think that national aren't being tough enough. You know, it's, it's coming from the right of national. They're, they think that national aren't tough enough on debt, um, on, you know, keeping the border secure while also letting people in. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's so know, confusing. I, 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 I think the gun, the gun lobby kind of topped out for them at about sort of 3 3 4%. But it is an interesting point that, um, that there is... Well, it, it, it seems unlikely. There is a group of New Zealanders who may have moved from Green to ACT, you know, because when you draw up the spectrum, one is at one and one, the other is the other, but they're, you know, people who, 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 who live in rural parts of New Zealand and, and are in touch with the land, as far as they're concerned, right? Mm. Um, the, that's, that's, I think that's that's a vision from the past, Toby. Is it? Then I have People, to that's say that's a, that's a time it? that's passed. I don't know. I mean, in the, you know, the words of like, Jacinda Ardern. Mm. <laughs> I know we've joked about it before on the show, Ben, but I do, you know, in retrospect, with your far superior knowledge of reality television, um, have to say that I think you're right in terms of, ironically, the power of Dancing with the Stars because it seems that he has a, he's captured. Um, a real youth uh, vote as well, who think that he is so super cool. I mean, in I school, do. I, in I, school, I, out I, of school. I, I, I think it's absolutely right that most of it is is carved off national vote, who are going look at this shambles. Where do I move? And it's all. I think there will be some people for whom moving to act can be like, well, I will express my dissatisfaction. But also, David Seymour has been an effective. Opposition. I think I might have said this before on the pod, but we remember the days when Russell Norman and Metiria Ture were, for a time, a more effective opposition than the Labour Party. Don't know if mm. he ever quite reached that length, but David Seymour is, you know, a, a, mm. a very effective, and he's effective in select committees. He's effective in the House, and he he mostly gets his head around subjects. So, you know, I mean, I think I think we shouldn't overlook that um, among He's the He's the right-wing reincarnation of Jim Anderton circa 1990. <laughs> wow. 1996. Wow, I can feel Jim Anderton rolling in his grave. Yeah. <laughs> That's the gesture. Um, um, and so in terms of the state of the National Party, of course, I mean, the weird, the weird thing about that poll, right, is that it finished polling on um, Monday afternoon, I think, um, and so it took in the return of national chaos, right? And so that's why we sort of wonder if a poll had been taken shortly after um, lockdown 2.0, that maybe national would have been a bit higher and Labour a bit lower, who knows? But but that was been, I mean, the, you know, if you want to, anything is shovel-ready, Turns out it's fiscal holds, <laughs> and um, and to make an error of four billion dollars, look, it all comes out in the wash, right? Like, these are all predictions, but all the same, in terms of the, in terms of, you don't make a mistake like that. Excuse That's me, very embarrassing. That's what happens when you put a Maori in charge of the economy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we need to stop all these settlements with Ngati Epsom. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, look, I don't think it's it's not quite the same for a number of reasons as Stephen Joyce's eleven point seven billion dollar hole. 
First of all, because this was a genuine error, whereas... Because it was a hole. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Stephen Joyce allegation about Labour's fiscal hole was technically not right. Joyce just misread their, their sheets. Well, it wasn't sheets, so much a hole as a kind of a endemic. pile of things. Yeah. Um, he, what he was talking about was there was a lack of... Head, well, what he what he pivoted to saying he meant after he realised he how he spun it was, yeah, yeah. was that they had left a lack of fiscal headroom, which yeah. is actually the exact same thing that Labour are accusing National of in sure. general in the solution. Sure. Um, Goldsmith, yeah, put in the wrong figure, so he's four billion dollars out. It, but but really, the interesting thing about that is it makes almost no difference. You know, s- s- in terms of the sums that are being talked about, you know, since COVID. This, as, as Goldsmith said, oh, yeah, this is the difference between ending up, you know, putatively at 30, 36% of GDP in debt as opposed to 35%. Labour is still aiming at 48%. In and that's all years. true, but also not the point, is no, it? I mean, right. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a trivial amount of money. And basically, at a certain point, you, you know, on the, on the day of, on the day of the campaign launch, for that to emerge and for that to be the story that sucks all the air out of your campaign launch at Avalon. And it almost looks like they're going through the, you know, those those slogans that were on the, on the signs? They're yeah, not yeah. like a checklist. You just say, like, well, cross that one off. Yeah. <laughs> we'll cross that one, strong team. <laughs> Done. All right, what's next? Economy. Let's quick, you know? I mean, it's... it's, it's like, what's the last one left? It's like your future. Well, no, they've... <laughs> no, they've, they've, they've cha- no, it's jobs. No, the jobs was the other one. So no, they've still... The new one, which is... The new one, Economy, this is the thing they've, they've, they've kind of quietly introduced a new slogan, which is your economy, your economy, your future. Yeah, I think so. They've they've quietly kind of retired the strong team. Um, yeah, um, but I mean, it just it's just. They're reaching I mean, an amicable. I felt I felt I felt sorry for Judith Collins going having going out onto the stage, um, and they had that very. I quite enjoyed the virtual campaign. Um, quite it sort of had a little had a little bit of a kind of nostalgic. Top town telethon type mm. feel to it. You know, they went around till the. Uh, did you watch it, Ben? I, yeah, I, I did. I thought. Did um, you like that bit? It was a strange sort of format, you know, where they were. It was very mannered. I don't know that Judith Collins' strength is talking to a camera with nothing behind it. Um, you know, we saw that in the debate. We yeah. also saw that. Yeah, there were some of those forced that. grins that you talked about before that felt a little bit like, why did, why did, why did you smile then? Yeah, and you know, in the debate, Colin seemed a lot more, a lot happier when she was yeah. basically sort of interjecting on yeah. Ardern and interacting with a human. Yeah, I don't think people realise how hard that stuff is, though. Like when you're trying to interact with the camera and you're getting no human response, yeah. no clapping, there's no no body language to read or play off, or no warm sounds emanating from the audience, you know. We're finding that now, in fact. Really You're finding that now with me promenading around the studio, aren't you? Very much so. But um, just coming back to Powder, um, you know, the thing <laughs> is that it just... Is it, a, is it a big deal at the end of the day? I mean, to me, $4 billion sounds like a, a whole shit ton of money. Mm. It may not have, like, a super real impact on the economy, but it just buggers their credibility and what is supposed to be their sweet spot. They're supposed to be the money guys, the business guys, mm. the guys who know all their timetables all the way up to like 13. 13. And and now they don't. <laughs> wow. Apparently they don't. 13 times 13, Ben? 169. 
was going to say 130. No. Well, that's 144. <laughs> is 12, 12, 12 is 144. Uh, yeah, it's uh, 169. Okay. Yeah. Um, Good number. Uh, <laughs> this is gone by lunchtime, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, what, 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 the, the, we, should, we, should, we should mention, of course, that uh, the conversation they would have liked us to be having on Sunday during the campaign launch was about the tax cuts, which was a surprise and was a change uh, after the National Party had said there would be no tax cuts. Suddenly, da-da, tax cuts, 16 months of them, focused on middle earners. Um, <clears throat> not so great if you're a supermarket worker, pretty good if you're... A kind of in the, in the earning 80, 90k a year. Um, that did that surprise you, Ben? That was uh, we were talking in the last pod about the gravitation towards the centre, and everyone was m- much the same. That was the first thing. It was followed, I should say, I think on the Saturday by uh, the Labour Party pledging to push the minimum wage up to twenty bucks. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, to extend the the sick leave entitlement mm. by 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 a week. I mean, and so minimum, it felt the like there was some already scheduled. Sure, to sure, but national yeah. aren't going to do it. I mean, uh, no, no, so 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 it's a different. Well, my point is that 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 after feeling like everything was getting quite samey, we're starting to get some yeah. some some differences. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it's never. You should probably never be that surprised when national offer tax cuts at an election. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> That, that's one of those paradoxical surprises where you're like, um, you know, if you'd asked somebody six months ago or a year ago, they would have been like, of course, National are going to have tax cuts in the election. Mm. Um, they're, they're saying that it's a stimulus um, mm. because it's only for a 16-month period. Um, that's, you know, that's perfectly respectable Keynesian economics. Um, the, the government's line has been that this is really irresponsible uh, because of the deficits and that the, the government is going to be taxing a little bit more to pay down debt, whereas National's giving it all away in tax cuts, which is absolutely ridiculous, of course, because as we've already talked about, National's plan, you know, is billions and billions of dollars less borrowing than Mm. Labor's plan. Now, both of these are just plans and will be totally blown off course by all the things that happen in the next 10 years. But, you know, there is a real, ordinarily when the goal for both parties is to get a zero budget or a surplus budget, you can make a direct link between oh, you're, you're doing tax cuts or you're making these spending promises and that's having an effect on the debt or your ability to meet surplus. That, that link has been utterly broken because of the amounts you know, that have already been borrowed now and, and that have been borrowed in the future. There's, the, you know, the, so, so for instance, saying that you know, National miscalculated their budget by $4 billion, which means they can't afford their $4 billion tax cuts, is, you know, just, just doesn't really hold up, right? Because there's essentially an infinite limit for borrowing, um, and and you know, and, and the same goes for national uh, for labour. The interesting thing is, labour have chosen to put those uh, burdens on the the private sector in terms of minimum wage increases and sick leave allowances. Um, so so they're not promising as much, um, you know, from 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 quotation marks their own money as a government. Except that the most effective stimulus, um, I mean, I think it's empirically shown, is when you provide that stimulus into the pockets of the lowest earners who go out and spend that money and put it back. And we talked about this last week, I think, that if you're putting, if you're providing a tax cut to to substantially into the pockets of middle and middle higher earners, that's going to go into guess what, 
House houses houses. For God's sake. Well, no, because we're on current income uh, on current interest rates. Anybody who's no, already owns a house would be would be house. no would would be mad <laughs> to put their own money into a house instead of just leveraging against existing houses, right? I mean, basically, you're making money by borrowing. So no, nobody's going to be like saving up and penny pinching to you know the the boomer the rich boomers aren't going to be putting aside you know their fifty dollars a week for a deposit on a house. They're going like leverage it against the batch, get yeah. two apartments in town, and spend the money on doing right. up the house next door that they buy and then rent out extortionate yeah. rates. Yeah, it feels like Labor has missed the opportunity to enact some of the transformational change they talked about. Newsroom did an interesting article this week about how um, um, families are again going to be charged for emergency housing. Now back in 2016 when they were still in opposition, Carmel Sepuloni came on the hui and said that um, not only would families not be charged for emergency housing, they wouldn't be expected to pay back their debts that they'd incurred. Incurred. I was going to say accrued, just, and then just I just had a little. Saying that over Annabelle at the end of her sentence. Then it all, it all short circuited, and then I needed a control alt delete. And, and then, then everyone would go. I needed typical a typical con- Ben talking over Annabelle again. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> that they wouldn't have to pay those back to one. So I think you know. COVID represented an opportunity, I think, to, to really make some big changes when it comes to the benefit system. And the challenge always with making changes to the benefit system is the amount of resentment it occurs, that it, it, it causes. But I think um, with COVID, there was a softening and you probably could have made some big changes and they've chosen not to do that. Mm, and yeah. um, that would have been a great way of stimulating the economy as well, getting more money into the hands of the most vulnerable New Zealanders who are even more vulnerable now. Um, I'll tell you another way to stimulate the economy is to log on to the spinoff.co.nz and check out the uh, Gone by Lunchtime tea towels, which, um, mm. which are available at uh, $20 a pop and, and feature um, your friends from Gone by Lunchtime in it. Cast, cast of other characters. Um, that um, money goes straight into Annabelle's drinking account. So mm-hmm. the um, velocity of circulation incredible. <laughs> the very quickly because I've got to go. The um, uh, the Auckland Central poll from NewsHub Nation came out on Saturday morning, and it showed uh, 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 what um, the national candidate Emma Mallow and the Green candidate Chloe Swarbrick called a three horse race, but uh, Helen White uh, was kind of reasonably comf- comf- comfortably out ahead. An interesting read poll, which they had managed to they they, they accumulated from four different sources, namely landlines, mobile phones, online, uh, and in person, um, sitting outside uh, the New World in uh, Victoria Park. Anyway, uh, Chloe Swarbrick came third in that poll, and you feel as though if she'd just come second, that she might have had a shout, the Green candidate, which mm. would be great for the Greens, especially if they're not absolutely certain of getting over the 5%. Even if she'd come, even at that distance, if she'd managed to come ahead of Emma Mallow, that she could make a case that it was a, she was, you know, second, the Green candidate second. But now it seems like a hell of a steep climb for her to be in that very, race. Very, very, very steep climb for... For Chloe, which is a shame because she's a you know a remarkable young candidate. I think it's a real testimony to Nikki Kay and what what a um, what an incredible candidate she was. Yep. And you could say, look, she's just writing off um, 
Jacinda Ardern's popularity, but actually, you know, she's done something that a lot of other politicians would love to do and, and, um, and beaten Jacinda twice, three times in that seat. Yeah, so I think it, it goes to show what, and, and look, what a great campaigner and, and candidate and matched was. Her. I mean, you know, when you, back in the day, uh, when, when we were all young and watching those Auckland Central debates, you wouldn't have said, well, obviously that, that Labour candidate, Jacinta, what's her name, is better than that other candidate, Nicola. You know, I mean, the, 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 mm. the, the, and so Nikki Kay has um, now sailed off into a new life and good luck to her. Ben, do you think that Chloe Swarbrick could yet pull something off? The Greens were in very fast and I thought quite good spin mode afterwards, talking about how because Emma Mello was so far behind, yet at the same time Chloe was so very close, um, that showed that yeah. there was no risk of vote splitting on the left and that all of those people who had, the, the 40% of people who had been intending to vote Helen White just for safety could all do what they really wanted to do and come over and vote Chloe now. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I, I thought was, you know, that's, that's a good effort that's <laughs> to, it, it'll to come be, up with quickly. Yeah. Um, the, you know, and, and look, the, the logic holds true, you know. Um, Helen White will be in Parliament anyway. Emma Mello looks like she won't be in Parliament, whatever happens. Um, so, you know. And if the if, Greens if, number hold up over 16, Chloe will be in Parliament because she's number two. I mean, I suppose the only. And I think that this and, is. And so you can just vote for whoever you really want as the candidate. So, what we're saying to you, listeners, our advice is vote for whoever you want. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again in a week. You can uh, follow us, like us, subscribe us. Or do all those things on your favourite uh, podcast platform. Thanks again, Tina. Thanks, Annabelle. Thanks, Ben. We'll catch up next week. Kia ora e te Tiahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.